Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepasswordcom slash Productive Convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. I'm Mike Vardy, and this is the Productivityist Podcast.
Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, a real treat, the CEO of Evernote, Chris O'Neill. Chris is the CEO of Evernote. As I mentioned, he's currently tackling the challenge of turning a beloved, globally recognized brand into a productivity powerhouse beyond its already sizable 220 million member base. One of those members is yours truly. I've been there for a long time. Now, prior to Evernote, Chris held a variety of executive level roles at Google, coaching multiple teams to success. And he was the managing editor of Google Canada, Canadian, fellow Canadian, always a great uh, opportunity for me. I love talking to Canadians. And we talked about a lot of stuff today. Um, You know, being the technology industry leader with like just tons of experience that he has, I wanted to dive into, you know, some of his history as well as, you know, kind of some of the things he does. He he talked about something that he does productivity-wise that I do. He he talks about, you know, um, his thoughts on paper, experimentation, things like that. There's lots to get into, as well as something that uh, I've probably heard in passing before, but the backpack problem. So this interview took place shortly thereafter the interview I had with Mike Williams a few weeks ago. Uh, so again, Skype just decided it didn't want to take into account the Blue Yeti microphone. So I've got to let you know that there's a bit of shallowness in my voice throughout this discussion. Again, another great discussion, and it totally sucks that there's some shallow mic noise throughout, but it doesn't detract, I believe, from the quality of the conversation. So just want to put that out there right out of the gate, and now let's get on with the show. I'd like to welcome Chris O'Neill to the Productivityist Podcast. Chris, thanks for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here, Mike. So first off, we got all the Canadian niceties out of the way behind the scenes before we started recording. But it's it's always fun to talk to a fellow Canadian on the show, especially when we when we uh, when we say Toronto the way it's supposed to be said. Um, <laughs> uh, but I want to before we dive into like Evernote specific stuff and, and some of the productivity kind of. Uh, you know, uh, processes that you have in place or processes, I can say that you have in place. Um, what let's, how did you, um, the journey to Evernote, like from where you, where you started off, we touched on it a little bit in terms of background in Canada, but to, to go from where you were at Google to Evernote, what, can you talk a little bit about that journey? Uh, I know it's been widely discussed in, in print. We'll, we'll share some of that, but and maybe some of the things that when you got to Evernote, you're like, oh, this is this is kind of neat or kind of different. And and this is what I'm going to bring to the table. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, Mike, I, I grew up in very small towns in Canada, you know, very stereotypically Canadian. You know, played lots of hockey, ate, ate lots of donuts, et cetera. And, you know, I, I guess my journey in tech really, really uh, took hold in, in about 1998. So I I made my way to the Bay Area for what was supposed to be a couple months and you know, here we are 20 years later. So it's been an amazing run. You know, I had an intuitive sense that technology, um, it was, was going to play an important part in my life as it does in the lives of millions of people. And I really wanted to be part of it. Um, so I, I was here for the, the, dot, the first dot com kind of boom, if you will. I saw before, during and after that. Um, made my way to Google. A lot of my, my peers and friends um, preceded me to Google, and I was I was brought in uh, at a very interesting time in 2005 when the company was you know experiencing hyper growth, and really I was hired as a bit of an experiment. You know, I didn't have the types of background that uh, the rest of the people at Google did, but I found my way into the company 
and over the course of 10 years had just an amazing run. I had maybe five or six different roles, uh, including uh, running Canada for Google, which was in many ways the highlight of a really incredible run. Um, so I got to learn just how to, to you know, scale companies really quickly, build incredible culture, uh, keep up with the chaos and you know, really try to just manage it a little bit as best as you could. But really, really um, profoundly inspired by a mission that matters and really the notion of thinking really big uh, and really trying to hire the best people and create the best culture to, to you know, deliver against that mission. And you know, in terms of Evernote, you know, first off, I, I've been a user since 2010 uh, and you know, it actually did coincide with, with moving my family back to Canada. So as it turns out, Moving across a border with family, pets, and cars um, creates exponentially more complexity. And I turned to Evernote, actually, to help manage that complexity. Uh, and then from that point, Evernote, of course, has worked its way into every, uh, every ounce of, my, of both my personal and professional life. But really what I saw in Evernote was just this, this really incredible brand, incredible community, and a product that really had captured the world's you know, imagination early on. And it really you know, solved and continues to solve a pretty acute problem that we all have. We're all bombarded with information all day. And you know, Evernote is, is really a bit of a, of, a, of a superpower for me to help me deal with it. And you know, that's really where it began and, and ended, really, is this, this, this phase of my career. I want to work on things that matter and things that I use personally so I can make a difference. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of pause there. I can go into more details if you're interested, but that's, that's really the beginning of the story. So when you got, yeah, I, I want to dive in a little bit more into, um, you know, first off, how did you, when you first started using Evernote, you talked about moving, you know, the move, uh, back to Canada and, and you, you discovered it. What, what were some of the things right out of the gate? What were you, how did you kind of organize it and how did you manage your Evernote right out of the gate? If you can remember, we're talking like eight years ago now, because I know that Evernote users and anyone who's listening that's ever used Evernote, they install, they hear about Evernote and then they say, oh, I've heard great things. I, I must get it. And then they get it and then they go, huh, um, okay. Like they don't quite know what to do with it. They need, they, I mean, there's lots of material that you can look online to figure out what to do with it, but that's almost a, a level of over, over choice as well. So when you started, like we're talking, you know, again, almost a decade ago, what, what were your, how did you start using it? Like, what were you a tag guy? Were you a notebook? Like, how did that all, how did that all come together uh, initially? Sure. So, so Evernote really was, 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 had incredible buzz, still does across Google, right? I mean, lots of, lots of senior people there. I uh, started using it in, in around that 2009, 2010 timeframe. So I have my very first note was the welcome email from, from Evernote in May of 2010. Um, and as I said, I really started to use it and dust it off in October. It, and in fact, it was, it, was, um, it was Canadian Thanksgiving, which is earlier than American Thanksgiving in October. Yeah, we're, pro we're proactive when it comes to that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but it was, I, I, I actually, my very first picture, I was trying to figure out how it worked with the mobile phone. It was a picture of a centerpiece of the Thanksgiving thing. And in the background, you could you get a flavor, a little whiff of the, of the complexity of my life. Like my, my you know, California-born wife, you know, really was not crazy about winter. So we stocked up in all the winter clothing. And you can see that in the background. So uh, it really was a time of chaos for me. And really where I started to use it was all the medical records for all the kids, all the 
tracking all the different things that were arriving at different points. I was managing uh, my old job and my new job. I was on a, a board or two at the time. So I had all these different contexts that I was switching between. And I started, the more I used it, the more I found it could just take some stress off my mind. And it was like, okay, great. I have, I have a punch list of all the things that need to happen. And I have a little status by each one of them. So, okay, great. We've switched the life insurance uh, policies. We've switched the, you know, all that we have new doctors for the kids. So I had this long list of all the things that had happened. So that's where it started. Uh, from there, uh, so I'm not a tag person. I, I really am more like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like a just, just use search, depend on, I, I use some levels of notebooks and sometimes stacks, but not, not too, too familiar with that uh, or not too, too dependent upon that rather. Um, but what really happened from there was I started to use it for one-on-ones at work, and then I started to use it for recurring meetings, and then I used it for any, uh, any commercial-related things, so uh, managing the different accounts, uh, whiteboard pictures, right? Uh, we'd have uh, quarterly – I'd have a, um, a quarterly meeting with Larry Page and, uh, and the team back at headquarters, so I'd use that as a, an organizing tool to gather all the inputs and then work through the process there. So – what became a very so from a personal thing for me, uh, then spread out to my family, crossed over into the workplace. I'd used it first and foremost for one-on-one, starting with my assistant, and then I found it to be valuable to be a good manager to stay on top of the things that I had in flight with all the different people on my team. Um, and then it just expanded the use cases. It just expanded in many ways. Um, but overcoming that first initial thing is is both an opportunity and a challenge for us as a company. But more generally, when you're changing a habit, it's not easy, right? So you have to you have to stick with it a little bit and read up and rely on people like yourself uh, for very specific use cases. Um, and that's been an amazing part of my journey here is to really spend time with the community. And there isn't a day or a week that goes by that I don't get a, a new. I'm like, oh my gosh, like you're using it this way. That's really cool. Um, you know, for example, I now use it, you know, I call it quantified gardening. I love to garden. So I, Hey, I take pictures of my garden and every year I optimize based upon what I learned. I'll never know. I, uh, I took pic. I, I actually, last month was my month of gardening as we're recording this, we're recording this in June. So May was, uh, as you know, living on the West coast of Canada and Victoria, you know, this, not many people other than you that are listening may know this, but it never, it rarely snows here. And, kale can grow year round because of that. So we, so, uh, but one of the things that happened a few years ago, uh, which again, Evernote came in handy was, um, I accidentally, uh, when my wife was saying, can you go weed? I accidentally pulled things that were not weeds because I did not know what they looked like. So what we did was we created a, a gardening notebook. Uh, we actually took pictures of each plant and identified them. So that way, when I was going out there, I could say this, you know, I could, we tagged it weed, you know, or if it wasn't tagged weed, then I knew it wasn't a uh, weed. And because uh, weeds grow here, like, I mean, again, if it doesn't get cold enough, weeds grow just as quickly as plants. So that was my first foray into using it for gardening. I've used it for, I mean, there's there's a ton of things that I've used it for. And what's interesting is the the the, the logo for Evernote is an elephant, which, you know, obviously, you know, the idea of elephants never forget. But also when you're taking on a tool like this, it's that old ideology of how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. You don't, if you throw everything into this at once, I think that it can become overwhelming. 
And, and uh, you know, for example, you talked about having it as a punch list, right? You, you mentioned the term punch list. Do you use Evernote for task management? Because I know that there's there's a lot of people that are either use it and are quite happy or really want to use it. And the for me, the functionality just isn't at that level uh, that it can be used consistently for, for massive, massive task management. But for a punch list, it seems like it would work fine with the checklist option. Do you use it as a pure task manager? Or is it more for, like you said, those checklists to make sure that everything you've got your SOPs in place, et cetera, or even just making sure you've got all your camping supplies and a tote that you need? Even for all those things, I actually I do for workflows and task management. And I, you know, you're not alone. Uh, over 50% of our users use it in some form of task management. Now, that could be something as straightforward as a checklist uh, over to something a little bit more involved. Like a lot of our small businesses use uh, use the product as a lightweight task management system. So, you know, one of the things we're testing with our new product is just to really see how people would use it. And uh, there's an example of a, of a hairdresser, like a person who runs a, a series of salons in Austin, and that business is characterized by you know, demand to hire a lot. So, so she was using it as a lightweight applicant tracking system right, where you're kind of moving things through uh, to say, OK, this is uh, an application. This is a um, this is a, someone we want to interview, et cetera, all the way through. And that's pretty common. So, so I, I would agree with you that we can and we will be doing better in terms of task management workflow. I, um, we're actively testing different things uh, right now. We, I don't have a formal announcement to make, but uh, one of the things I like to say is we want to own the beginning when you have a capture of an idea, like capturing ideas, regardless of the shape or size of that idea, regardless of the format they're in, and regardless of where you are when you have that idea. We want to be that place where you capture your thoughts at the speed at which you come up with them, uh, and then you can evolve and nurture and ideate them over time and really turn them into to action when and where it makes sense. Um, and, you know, the, the, the thing about remembering everything, you're right, the logo is an elephant, which is an homage, you know, because elephants never forget. The way I've been thinking about it is actually, you know, giving our users the freedom to forget. Right? People, you know, when we research people, when I talk to people, everyone's feeling fairly overwhelmed these days, right? You know, it's, it's about constant context switching. We're overscheduled. Our professional and personal lives blurred. Um, and, and really, one of the things that the jobs that we're hired to do is, is to provide that sense of feeling more organized, feeling that sense of relief that some people get when you cross something off the to-do list. And the way I think about it is just giving people the freedom to forget so that they can stay focused in the moment you know, on what matters to them. You know, and, and I think technology has done so many incredible things in the, in the world and will continue to do things in the world, but also has had a lot of unintended consequences, you know, from ranging from addiction to devices to the sense of constantly being connected and overwhelmed. And I, I remain optimistic about its role. And I think that we can and will do a better job by applying emerging technologies like machine learning, for example, to surface things that matter in the moment so that you don't have to pop, plow through to go find something, right? We should do better. We should understand the context that you're in and then surface the information at just the right moment. You know, much the same way that you know, I, I'm, um, I have a, a chief of staff, and that person knows, probably knows my context better than I know it, right? From day to day, I, I'm just running around from different things. And they understand the context, and they say, hey, Chris, you have to follow up with this person. You have to do this task. 
oh gosh, you're, you you got to get to your kids' play. Uh, that's the, the a metaphor for how I view uh, the future of Evernote. Really, this under, this understanding of the context you're in, and being this like assistant, this thing that can truly understand that context and and keep you focused in the moment, so that it's not about productivity per se, as it is about being present and making sure that you're focused on the very most important thing that matters to you at that time. So that's a little bit of a, a way of how I think about uh, Evernote technology more broadly. So it's interesting. I want to shift gears to your own productivity habits because you talked about, you know, you're kind of moving from place to place and, and you've got a lot of the go. And, and overwhelm is definitely a huge thing for anybody, I think, no matter what their what their position might be. Uh, you've got a, a this came up in my feed when everyone was, was uh, saying, hey, Mike, you might want to take a look at this. And it was actually serendipitous because then, you know, you guys reached out and say, hey, would you like to talk to Chris? I'm like, would I? I would love to talk to him about his daily theming because it's something that's part of what I teach when I talk about time crafting is this idea of theming your days. And I'm going to link to the Fast Company article. Um, but I want to talk about what your days looked like before you themed them and now what they look like since you started doing that. Like, what has been the, the, the shift? What, what have you seen when you started doing that? My system just broke, to be clear. Right? <laughs> I mean, I, you know, CEO of a company, um, I'm on a, a publicly traded board. I have two kids, a wife, you know, cats. I try, I try to stay in shape. You know, and, and, and other commitments, right? Um, there's just, there's this like in, in technology, there's this thing that's called the backpack problem, which basically means you can only fit so much in the backpack. Um, so my system kind of broke, right? I had, I had less demands on my time in a previous professional career. So uh, I just needed to, needed to break before I then stepped back and said, okay, how is this going to work? And the theming is one of the tactics that work, and we'll get into that in a second. But really what was most important was really what I call North Star, right? Really stepping back and saying, what matters to me? Not in a fluffy way, but in a, like, deep way, right? Like, what do I want to be known for? Uh, what are my commitments philanthropically? What are my commitments to my family, to my community? Uh, what are my professional goals? Like, and I shouldn't say goals, like what, 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 like what's overarching, what do I want to accomplish and be known for? And so often people step over, you know, just don't think about that step, you know, and, and you think about resolutions, you think about goals. The reason they fail, um, well, there's a zillion reasons they fail, but the biggest one in my humble opinion is they're not, they're not linked to something that is really you know, intrinsically motivating to, to the human being, to the individual. So, I, I actually stopped to actually do that first. So I'm pretty clear about uh, some of those, some of those North Star things. Then you can start to say, okay, great. What are the goals that are going to move me closer to, uh, to that, uh, th those, those objectives? And some of which are, will take, you know, m multiple years, even decades. Um, so that's, that's kind of where it started to be, to be really clear. Uh, and that's, that's, it's important. So, um, I then from there, you, you then have a system, right? And a system, I use a modified getting things done system where, um, you know, you can, I can walk through that if you're interested, but it, it really has to do with, um, you know, trusting a system, right? So, um, yes, of course I use Evernote for it to capture things whenever and wherever I need them and then evolve them over time. 
I have a system which involves theming my days. Not that I slavishly stick to them, but it really helps. So when my assistant's trying to schedule things, she knows that Monday is the business about business day. It's when I do meetings with my team, when I try to do as many one-on-ones as I can. Um, Friday's like a free-for-all day. You know, Thursday's more like culture and hiring. Uh, so it just gives some efficiency so that we minimize the context switching because context switching and this, this, this false sense of multitasking really kills productivity, right? And especially if you, know, if you talk to a programmer, right? In some cases, just, just one little interruption can ruin a whole day. Um, but in my case, what I'm trying to do is minimize the context switching uh, across the different courses of the day. And then one of the things I try to do is what's the next action for any specific goal? Um, so if I'm trying to if I'm trying to make a hire, what's the next action I need to do? Do I need to uh, do I need to make a call to do a back channel reference? Uh, do I need to you know uh, provide feedback? What is that next step? Um, the last the last thing that's part of my system is, is really this notion of experimentation. I do this physically. I do it with food. And I do it with I do it with pretty much all aspects of my life, including how I uh, how I try to um, you know encourage my children to do certain things. Or <laughs> I'm always experimenting with different approaches. And this was inspired actually by a former colleague of Google named Matt Cutts, who really talks about 30 day challenges. So I'm I'm always doing some form of a 30 day challenge, whether it's exercise or meditation or uh, or food, like cutting out sugar. Um, I take October completely off of alcohol. Um, and, and this year I actually decided to do it again in February because I felt so good. Um, anyway, that, that's kind of, the, those are the broad brushstrokes of my system. And I'm happy to said to go into more details if, if it's interesting to you and you read it. Well, it's, it, you know, we talked about, we talked about resolutions and I, and I bristled at those because I'm not a fan of resolutions at all. I think that people, uh, they they make them too big. They 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 tend to think that they can stretch them for the 365 days, which is both, of course, a very long period of time, and when you think about it, a very short period of time, depending on your perspective. I love the idea. I mean, I've been theming my days for a very long time, and and you're right. I think that the the when people are trying to adopt something like this, and and, and what I want to get into here quickly is this idea that. When you put a system in place, whether it's whether it's it's pure getting things done, which is I mean, what's the next action is 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 a is directly related to the to David Allen's getting things done methodology. And I'll link to my episode with David recently, as well as Mike Williams, because now now there there there's the book Getting Things Done for Teens. So clearly it's it's a framework that works. But the question becomes is when people start to look at these frameworks and they say, oh man, but it seems like it's it, it puts you in this autocratic or automatic mode as opposed to human like it feels like you're it seems like it's restrictive rather than freeing what what do you say to those people when they say ah a system like i just like to you know i'm gonna you know i i don't i I find a system too too restrictive it's it it doesn't uh, it doesn't allow me to be as free as i'd like it what do you what do you say to those people having i mean you're like you said you've got a lot of moving parts how old are your kids by the way because i've got i've got young kids as well i don't know how old yours are but yeah my daughter's 10 and my my son is 12 so i've got 13 and and 8 so yeah like you've got these kids that are at, at you know they're still they're not it's not like they're out of the house or anything like that no they're very young they're at that 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 really middle age there so what do you say to people who are saying you know what yeah systems i don't really you know uh, a framework for me, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be the way to go. What, what what would you say to them? 
I say a couple things depending on who they are. Um, you know, Larry Page had, had a great expression. Google probably still uses it. Is called creativity like loves constraint. Um, yeah, and that's true of a lot. If you uh, talk to the the leaders at DreamWorks, you know, I had an um, uh, interesting interaction with them recently, and someone asked the question, "How do you manage creative people?" Um, he really boiled it down to two things. He said, "You know, you can let them. You have to let them roam." and give them a deadline. Um, if you look at music, if you look at art, if you look at anything uh, that is worthwhile in the world, the, the notion of creativity liking constraint is actually right. So jazz musicians, right, everyone thinks they just kind of improvise. They actually are very, very uh, uh, rigid um, in terms of structure that then allows the improv improvisation to happen. Um, but one of the best football coaches of all times is guy Vince Lombardi, right? He had a system, right? He had this play called the sweep, um, and, and his team perfected that sweep. And then, gosh, they could get super creative around that play, and they were one of the best teams in history. So I, I actually try to surround people with examples to reinforce that, yes, it might feel constrained, but actually creativity thrives under constraint, whether that's a deadline or a series of like constraining in terms of boundaries. That's how true creativity happens. So um, I say push through it. You know, I, I like to run as well. Like I, I'm not for, maybe I'm alone on this, but the first mile or so of a run is the most painful for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I feel great. So I don't, I don't. I think it's listen. Behavior change is not natural to human beings. So people feel like it's constraining at first. Once you push through the other side, then you'll start to see the benefits. Um, and then I ultimately, you do start to see, uh, you do start to see the rewards and then people start to see the benefit of, of why you'd want to have a system. Right? A couple more quick questions before we wrap up. Uh, and, and it definitely, it, the idea of constraints, we talk about paper, like paper has like paper, no matter what size paper you have, there is a beginning and an end to it. And Evernote's worked with Moleskin in the past and have the Moleskin notebooks. Moleskin's now developed their own. And uh, they're as of, as of right now, as we're recording this, they are, there's the Evernote Moleskin notebook or Moleskin smart system. I want to ask you two questions related to this. First off, are you, do you use paper? Like, are you using, and if so, is it like, when, if so, when, because I mean, there, there is the opportunity there to get things into Evernote. And, and secondly, um, what, why do you think there's been such a renaissance towards paper planners and, and getting in, in, you know, we're seeing like Kickstarter projects and, and, and craft pens like Baron Fig makes these amazing pens and these amazing notebooks. What, what are your thoughts on like kind of the, the renaissance of pa notebooks and, and paper planners that we're seeing in, in this day and age? I use lots of different form factors, including paper. Um, it's, it's diminished over time for me. Uh, I will use it. Uh, I, I usually use paper when I want to freeform think and draw. So I'm a visual thinker and I like to, to map things out. So I can like a mind map. So sometimes I do that with my iPad, but if I'm on an airplane, for example, it's just uninterrupted time for me to actually use paper and draw. Um, but to your question about why the resurgence is, it's actually there's, there's science here that uh, you're, you're writing, the, the act of writing activates multiple parts of your brain. Uh, therefore, it actually helps trigger recall. Um, and the other probably even more profound thing that's going on when you're actually writing is 
when you type, you're generally just kind of transcribing. You're not really processing the information as it comes in. When you're writing, you're actually distilling the information and you're accelerating the the recall uh, process early or, or cementing it into your brain. So you're not just transcribing, you're actually looking for the themes which allow a mental handle to then recall later. So there's no surprise to me. Um, I think that you know there can be the best of both worlds. So whenever I do draw on paper, I of course take a picture and get it into Evernote and you can then see. So I, you can kind of have the best of both worlds here. Um, so I, I don't think it's a complete surprise. The science is on the side of, of uh, really um, ingestion by using uh, writing. So as, as Evernote has evolved, uh, you know, I mean, I looked, I've been using it since June 28th, 2008, which is, uh, you know, it's over, over, over a decade now, <laughs> which I'm like, wow, um, as, as this is, as this is airing, um, you know, we've seen things like the the store and a bunch of other things that have, and it's been since streamlined. What does the you know, if people are are looking to get into Evernote now, and they're seeing you know, as you walk through, you've had pricing changes and 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 all that stuff. Um, you know, it, it's been a it's been a it's been a journey for the company. It's been a journey for you. What you know, people who want to get into it now, what are they? What are some of the things without obviously revealing stuff you can't reveal that they can expect to see? Uh, you know, by because there's so many options now. There never there never used to be like OneNote was widely you know kind of pushed off to the corner by Microsoft, and now they're they're you know definitely they they realized what they had all along largely thanks to, to you guys and are like, oh, and then Apple's got Apple Notes and, uh, you know, then there's smaller third-party developers like Bear. So it's it's not as if there is is a, a lack of competition now. What can people expect uh, from Evernote in the future that's going to keep them really, at, you know, because you guys are still the, the standard bearer? Uh, we created the category. Uh, growth of the company is incredibly healthy. Uh, globally, you know, over 80% of our users are outside of uh, the U.S. Um, over half are speaking a non-English language. Um, so, so there's just an enormous amount of growth. Um, but you're right on the the category leader thing. Like we're not the only game in town, and that's that's like that's the way the world works, right? This is this is a, a pretty big problem, right? Everyone's dealing with this problem of overload, and we can expect to see other people be inspired by our leadership, and then try to replicate aspects of that. So I think like first principles, a lot of what I've been, been really maniacally obsessed upon is the quality of the product. So when you're called Evernote, you know, the thing that Evernote needs to work 100% of the time, right? And we're not there yet, uh, but we're much, much closer uh, than we've ever been. So I'm really proud of the work we've done. You know, this, this speaks to a lot of things which are underneath the hood, if you will. Um, just the quality, the latency, uh, the syncing, uh, the, any, you know, eliminating all those those things which remove uh, or do, you know make the experience less than amazing. So that's 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 first principle number one. Um, and, and really figuring out a lot of what you were touching on before. Uh, when you're up to 225, 230 million people in the world, you're not dealing with early adopters alone who take pride. Like when you were adopting the product, you probably took pride in kind of figuring it out and making it your own. Uh, but when you're talking to uh, other people who might have less facility with technology, you need to make the product easier to use and less overwhelming. So we've been actively trying to strip, uh, strip and, and streamline 
strip down the product in some ways, and but selectively reveal complexity when and where it's needed. Um, so that's that's one thing. The other is really we're seeing people use this at work. So 80% of people who use Evernote use it at work. Um, 65% use it in both contexts, uh, and then another 15% use it just at work. So. So we're really looking at that and, and not to say it just focus on that, but how do we design and build for a blended world? How do we make this product more powerful when you use it with other human beings? Right? Nothing really important in this world happens with one person alone. So we've been really looking at that. So how do we make more hierarchy? How do we make sharing really just amazing? Right? Uh, we're making strides in that direction to really, as I said, make the product more powerful when used with others. And then the other aspect of that is, is when I say play well with others. So part of the, the, the beauty of, of our category leadership and, frankly, our agnostic nature is we work across all platforms, right? And that creates complexity technically, but it's worth it for us because we want people to use us whenever and wherever they want, to capture their thoughts whenever and wherever they want, to remember them and keep them forever, to then turn those ideas into action and increasingly work effortlessly with people in their life, whether that's their family or people at work. So there's a whole bunch of things which you have started to see, and you will start to see more of, uh, really to make this product more uh, facile in both professional and personal contexts. And the last one, in many ways, is is uh, is more more out there, but um, but also incredibly exciting to us. And that's how do you start to use technology to make people more productive? And I gave you a couple of examples, right? I see a world where, you know, we'll have a chief of staff for every meeting, and that really could be Evernote, right? So, gosh, 11 million meetings every day in the, in the United States. Uh, two-thirds don't have an agenda. Most people think they're a complete colossal waste of time. Um, and over 30% of our users use our product to capture meetings in some way, shape, or form. So how do we use uh, that insight coupled with some machine learning. So at the end of a meeting, we don't just sit there and wonder what, what the heck happens and what should happen next. Technology, machine learning, natural language processing can, can evaluate, maybe even capture the, the voice, the audio of a meeting, and then translate that into action without anyone having to kind of go through all the, the work that currently they have to do. Um, that's one example. I mean, I, I mentioned task management workflows as well. How do you extract the tasks from from the uh, the collection of, of information that people trust with Evernote to really take that into the next next step or the next action? So we we have this view that technology can help make people more productive, help help them feel more organized, search without searching, really auto organizing. So I, I think in the future you'll see tags um, will be kind of a, I don't want to say a relic. But you won't need them because technology will auto tag your content and organize it in a way in multiple different ways in a way that is either intuitive to you or automatic uh, or both, hopefully. And you see that a little bit with a web clipper already. You know, if you're using a web clipper and you've got enough information in there, it's saying, oh, this belongs in in this notebook. You're seeing it with notebooks. I mean, it, you know, I, I can't see it too being too far off with everything else. Yeah, and search. I'm going to say search without searching. So we're using, we're using, you know, we've re Redone our so the Clipper engine, as you mentioned, uh, our search our search engine is basically benefiting from machine learning to basically tap into uh, your your uh, previous searches to predict what would be most useful to you. And 
We're experimenting with all sorts of iterations of that. And, and the early feedback from people are, are really amazing. So they're really, really positive and favorable. So, so there's a whole, there's a whole portfolio of things that we're doing to take Evernote into the future. And you know, what we're seeing is that, you know, people are, are okay with paying for, for the best, right? We're the category. It's all that we do. We're, we're spending over half of our, uh, of our budget, close to 60% to uh, 70% of our budget. Um, to, to really plow it back into R&D and make the product, you know, the best quality it can possibly be, adapt to the different use cases that we see that people are using or, or telling us they would like, and then really experimenting with, you know, emerging technologies like machine learning and artificial intelligence to really benefit our users. And uh, people are excited. The business has never been healthier and uh, the team is never stronger. Uh, we've, uh, we're really, really proud of what we've accomplished and, you know, we're just in the early innings still. And you should be. I mean, ten year, I've been using it for over 10 years. I've never felt compelled to move anywhere else. I think the one thing that a, a lot of people uh, do when they, when they, and I think this is a mistake, we talked about frameworks and, and processes earlier, is that the tool is the thing. You know, it's like if I, if, you know, if it's not working, it must be the tool. It must be the app. It must be this. The thing is, I mean, there, there will always be a new tool. There will always be a new app. There will always be something. It's it, to me, it's about, you know, getting proficient qualitative results from the tool. So, I mean, the fact that I can, I can work my way through Evernote, uh, like that versus having to spend time learning a new tool. Where is that? Where is that opportunity cost? Right. So, um, you guys have done a, a great job and I, I can't wait to see what what is coming up for Evernote in the future. One last question, and it's it's more of a, a, of a Canadian uh, personal one, is, you know, besides family, because I'm sure you have a lot of family back here, what is the most Canadian thing that you miss about Canada? Oh, um, gosh, there's a lot of things I miss about Canada. Um, I just really enjoy time in nature. I mean, this is an amazing, I live in an amazing part of the world, but there's some pretty special parts of Canada, actually out towards where you live. And then, uh, you know, I grew up uh, on a lake in, in, in cottage country. And, and that, that's a pretty special part of the world. So, yeah, beyond just family, I think it's it's the place, right? Really hanging out with, um, with a cold beer in your hand on a lake in Canada is pretty special. Yeah, I don't think people realize how massive this country is either. I mean, uh, I was watching with my kids the other day, uh, you know, there was uh, Anthony Bourdain, uh, you know, he, before he passed, he went to Newfoundland and talked about how there's a French island, like part of France is off of Newfoundland. You can actually go to France right off. And my kids and I are on the West Coast. Going, Wouldn't it be awesome to do a cross Canada road trip? My kids are th- enthralled with the idea. You know, they, you know, they want to go to places like Tobermory, Ontario, where you can, there's sunken ships. My wife is less thrilled about the notion of dropping across Canada because it is very big, second largest country on the planet. But I mean, there's a lot to love here. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, again, Chris, uh, this has been a great conversation. Uh, I I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Where can people find out more? I mean, I'm going to link to Evernote, obviously, because that's where you are. But where can people hear more from you uh, personally? Yeah, sure. So, so I, I post um, regularly on our blog. Uh, follow me on Twitter at, at C-R-O-N-E-I-L-L. Um, that's probably my main public-facing thing. I, I uh, It's on, on Twitter. Awesome. Chris, thanks so much for joining me today on the Productivities Podcast. My pleasure, Mike. You have a great day. And there you have it. Chris O'Neill. What a great conversation. You know, it's always great when I get to talk to people who are, you know, visionaries in their field. 
especially if they're using a, a, a you know something that I've been using. I mean, uh, you know, again, we look back to some of the other people I've talked to. I've talked to Andrew Sinkoff on the show before, which is in the show notes. By the way, all the show notes uh, you could find on the website. If you're going to be listening to this uh, on your podcast catcher, of course, you can get the show notes right there. But if you go to the website, go to productivityist.com, mouthful to say still, uh, podcast 208. That's the URL you're going to want to go to. And you can get all the show notes there. You can subscribe to the show there. You can share the show there. You can do all that stuff. And by the way, if you're subscribing to the show, I'd love to get a rating and review from you in iTunes or wherever you're listening to uh, the podcast. Actually, I should say in the Apple Podcasts app now, not iTunes, the Apple Podcasts app. Uh, again, a great time chatting with Chris this week. Uh, I, I, I really look forward to the chance that we can do that again. Big thanks to John Polstra for putting this show together. He's the producer of the show, and uh, week in and week out, he takes care of business. And uh, thanks to you for listening. Really do appreciate it, and I hope you'll be back next week when I bring you another exciting episode of the Productivityist Podcast. Until then, I'm Mike Vardy, the founder of Productivityist, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.